Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, we're in our second message today. Last week we talked about the promise found in Scripture, the promise of a Savior, and we found that through Jesus Christ. And today we look at the reason for praising. Last week we were looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth as they were being told they were going to give birth to John the Baptist, who was the, the forerunner, the trailblazer for Jesus to make everything ready. And then now today we move to the promise of Jesus being born. So let's let's pray. God, thank you for the worship that we have experienced thus far, Lord. Thank you for our precious children taking a moment to make a joyful noise to you and the, and the precious families that they represent, Lord. Uh, I pray that this church is always a place where no matter what generation you're a part of, Lord, you feel like you have something to give and something to participate in, Lord. And so we're thankful for them. We're thankful for the music thus far and for everything that's happening, Lord. And so as we open up your word, may you speak to us, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is long behind us and Christmas is in full swing, right? Uh, You're starting to get... Packages dropped off at your door. Maybe you've already done the sales and you're still maybe trying to find that last minute gift. Or you may be like the poor people that, uh, they are Christmas Eve and they're shopping at CVS to get something that means a whole lot to the person they're giving it to. But uh, whether you've got a gift, giving a gift, or you're going to be receiving gifts, isn't it amazing that so few days ago we were spending time being thankful for what we were given only to within not even 24 hours shift to what we're going to get for somebody else or what we're going to receive before the turkey was even digested and people there were people were out getting black friday deals but you know what life moves on doesn't it life moves fast it's a great fast pace and we're almost in the middle of december it seems like yesterday somebody was telling me in the middle of the year oh you know there's only 200 days till christmas Boy, it sure has snuck up on us, hasn't it? Well, today we uh, continue a series on Christmas. We're going to slow down for a minute and take a look at the series of Christmas and what it means for us as we look at the foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ. So we're going to slow down. Awkward silence. No, I'm not trying to look for my place in my notes. I know exactly what I'm going to say. Nothing. Why is it silence is so uncomfortable at times? But my friends, if you do nothing else for the next 10 seconds, be silent and think about the impact of Jesus coming to this world as a baby for the redemption of your sin and mine. Well, last week we looked at the promise God made for us, and now, like Zechariah in last week's text, Mary was given a promise. It was something that was so far out of left field. All of us want to point to or, or point at another 
person in our lives that, that may be living a fast pace or putting up with the daily grind. But the truth is we all live in a daily grind, only to be awakened sometimes by bad news, a world tragedy or personal crisis, forces beyond our control that make us stop in a moment to consider God and his plans for our lives. But folks, if we spend all of our energy looking for the next thing, the next appointment, the next milestone, we will be tempted not to take time to praise God for what he is doing. So join me today in taking just a few minutes out of our lives, out of our very busy lives, to praise God, our Savior who is on the way. Well, if you brought your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. And we're going to read right now, we're going to read verses 26 through 29. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Well, there have been times where God has spoken to me, and you too, I'm sure, and there's times where we've been confused. But as we unpack these verses here, we see that Gabriel's work was not finished. He had already pronounced to Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son in their old age. And so now he has come to Mary, who is at the opposite end of the age spectrum. Some people would, some scholars have said she was everywhere from age 13 to 15 to 17. 20 after 20, you're probably pushing it. But uh, women were considered, or, or girls were considered women at a much younger age uh, back in that day. So anyway, she was, I've always kind of, as a old youth pastor, kind of thought, as you're looking in a youth group, or as parents are looking at their teenagers, it could have been someone like your daughter. Someone like the girl across the street that you know. Well, God is connecting Elizabeth to Mary. And John the Baptist to Jesus. You see, Gabriel's work was not finished with Zechariah that we talked about last week. He now went to Mary. And when it says in the scripture that it's, it says it plainly, it says in verse 26 that it was in the, uh, the fifth month or the six months since Gabriel had interacted with Zechariah and Mary. And Jesus the Messiah would come into this world by humble means. I mean, think about it. Where does it say he's from? He said he's from Nazareth. Now, we all know Nazareth because we have, um, we have celebrated Christmas all of our lives or, or there are even, uh, there are religions that are based called the Nazarenes that are based off of Nazareth. But I want you to understand that, that when the writer is talking about Nazareth and saying that we know that he was born in Bethlehem, but he lived up in, he lived in Nazareth. Nazareth was a hole in the wall. It is much like Ridgeway, South Carolina. Who knows where Ridgeway, South Carolina is? Of course, one or two. I, I knew some of the road warriors would know where that's at, but it is known as the smallest town in South Carolina which is associated with the larger bit of Columbia. I think in 2010, their census was 319 people. 
So yeah, it was a small town. So Nazareth, this was not, ooh, they're from Columbia, they're from Charlotte, they're from Anderson, they're from Iva, they're from all of this. This was Nazareth. This was not really a place that was even on the radar for people. It was 15 miles away from the Sea of Galilee. They had no good water supply, only uh, fairly had a weak well in the center of town. And to many people, Nazareth was the punchline. If you were to go and look at John 1:46, you see someone said, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? That would be like someone saying, Homeland Park, can anything good come from Homeland Park? And I would say, as I look inside the sanctuary, absolutely. But a virgin girl named Mary was betrothed to Joseph. The word or the name Mary means exalted one, which is fitting for the woman who would soon be the mother of Jesus. And to understand the term of engaged, or as you good KJVers see, betrothed, okay? I want to explain something uh, real quick. Uh, many of us have either been married, are married, or are going to be married. I have sat across the desk from many cute couples that are have stars in their eyes. They've watched the notebook movie ten times and they know everything there is to know about love. Uh, but I'll joke in the side. Marriage is a commitment. And when we read this and the translation says they were engaged, if we look at this with our modern understanding of engagement, or if we know what the word betrothed means, it, it's not that big a deal. There are people that are getting is it disengaged if it fails? I don't know. You're engaged, so you'd be disengaged? Not get, I mean, Potato, potato, right? But anyway, they're not getting married anymore. They decide, up. Oh, I'm out of here. Return the ring. Pawn it off, whatever you want to do, but it's not going to happen. But in, in this day, in Jewish culture, there were three levels of marriage. The first stage of marriage was engagement. And this was simply... Fathers organizing with the father of the other, the marriage. So I know everybody in here loves your fathers, but would you want them setting you up with your husband or wife? Probably not. but Because you never know what could happen. It wasn't about love. It wasn't about emotion. It wasn't about hugs and kisses and dates and puppy dogs and teddy bears and all that kind of stuff like that. It was just, hey, we have a son, you have a daughter, let's get them engaged. Because back then, unfortunately, the only real reason for marriage was to, A, keep the name of the family going and the wealth going, and also to have children. That was the main reason they lined this up. So it was a financial thing, a political thing, a money thing. So that was engagement. Then there was betrothal, which is where Joseph and Mary were in. And so this ceremony was one where mutual promises were made to one another. And it was much stronger than what we call engagement today. I mean, it was they were married except for they just haven't had the final celebration. And so if you were betrothed, or if you were engaged back in that day and you wanted to call it off, you didn't, you didn't just say, oh, it's over. You had to go through a formal divorce because that's how close you were to getting married. Joseph and Mary were committed to one another. Faithfulness was expected from each other. 
And the only way to break that engagement was divorce. And here we go. Isn't it amazing? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes to earth in a lowly, faithful Jewish teenage girl that's getting married to a skillsman, a carpenter. This is not a guy with power. This is not a guy with prestige. The only thing he's got in his corner that we see in Scripture is that he is in the bloodline of King David. Some would say, why Mary? Well, the Scripture tells us. It says that she was forced. Not forced. Favored. She was Forced would not be good. She was favored. Her dedication to God caught the attention of God, though others didn't even notice her. I'm telling you, my friend, if you are faithful to God, you may not get the praise of your peers. You may not get rich by that. You may not get accolades. But I'll tell you what, God sees your faithfulness. And we see this in Mary as well. Regardless of how you feel in the moments of your Christian life, God is with you. And then also we see that although you may not score points with others for making choices based on God's word, he sees you. I've talked with people before that they, they don't get a promotion at work because they don't go out with the group and drink. Or they have family members that won't talk to them anymore because they see them as not enlightened because they believe that the Bible is true. It happens all the time. But believer, let me tell you, with God, you are never alone. Even though Satan wants you to think that you are alone. The calling of Mary is proof that you are not alone. Look at verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary, told the, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and your name you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel the obvious question. But how can this happen? I am a virgin. Okay, God, I hear you. And I understand it, what you're saying. But I don't understand how it's going to happen. Now, there for years, especially back in the, the late 80s, early 90s, there was a push to teach. I even heard it in school that there were some professors that would say that the virgin birth was not really a virgin. She was not really a virgin. That was just kind of a, they would try to take the translations and, and try to make it to where it's not a miracle. But that is not true, folks. I'm telling you, she was a virgin and she asked an honest question. What was she asking? How is that going to happen? But you say, wait a minute. Last week we learned about Zachariah saying, there's no way we're going to have children because my wife and I are too old. We've been praying for years to have children. And now we're going to have it while we're senior adults. We're going to be sitting around at the McDonald's eating our breakfast with our friends, solving the world's problems, and we're going to be the ones that are going to be pregnant. There's no way. There's a difference, though, in the way Mary questioned God and the way Zechariah questioned God. Zechariah was questioning out of doubt. He doubted God would do that. 
But Mary's questioning was out of wonder. So what it means for you and for me is that when you question God, does it come from a heart of wonder or a heart of doubt? God knows the difference. That is why God did not discipline Mary. She literally said, I I don't understand how that's going to happen. So how in the world would this happen? Because there's some people that have said over the years that, well, really God just kind of sent this person into her life and then they had relations and then, and no, that's not how it happened. The Bible tells us how God impregnated a virgin girl. And it's right here. It says, the angel, the angel replied in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, or some translations say, overshadow you. It says here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High God will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Here is the whole reason why God did this through a virgin birth. True or false, Jesus was sinless. True or false? True. Okay. Because if he would have been born in the natural way that we understand birth happens, he would have, he would have had the, the original sin, the seed of humanity that was placed upon us from the very beginning in Genesis 3, the curse of sin. So he would have been born as a sinful boy. Raised up to, to need forgiveness just like everybody else. To physically be born would have meant that he would have had a sinful nature. And he couldn't do that if he were going to be sinless. So now this is going to, we got to take a little trip back, a long way back to the, the tabernacle out in the wilderness where they would, they would take the Ark of the Covenant and they would take the poles and the tents and the curtains and they would, they would basically set up shop wherever they stopped in the wilderness and they would set up a place to worship and then they would have this big thing called the Holy of Holies, which is a room to where only the cleanest of priests could go in and intercede on the behalf of the people. And it is believed that that is where God dwelt. And there would be a cloud, an overshadowing, or or some translations say the Shekinah glory would be in the Holy of Holies, meaning that God himself would be in the Holy of Holies. That same cloud, that same overshadowing is what it's talking about here as that cloud, God himself overshadows her And that is how that process happened. It was not a physical process. It was a spiritual thing. It was a God thing. And it was a pure thing. That's what that means. And so Mary said this in verse 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. And now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Folks, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. I got a feeling that if more people today would say, God, I am your servant, when he comes knocking on your door to do something, 
I think this would be a much different place. This would be a much different world. But we move on. Elizabeth confirms God's plan for Mary. We see again in verse 39, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill countryside of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth at the sound of Mary's greeting. Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I hear your, when I hear, heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he says. So here is Elizabeth now calling Mary the mother of her Lord. And then just a side note here, when Elizabeth saw Mary, the unborn child, John the Baptist, leaped because he was filled with joy. Now, I do not know what it feels like to have a baby leap inside and kick. Some of you ladies know exactly what that feels like. And so you can identify with this passage in a way that I can't. But I do know this, is that John the Baptist, while he was in his mother's womb, was under the influence of the Holy Spirit and knew enough to praise God, even in his mother's womb, as he found out that Jesus was coming into this world. So that means John, and I'm not going to get political, I'm just being literal, John was not a fetus, he was a baby. He was a baby that could respond to the Spirit of God. And so we see in verses 46 through 56 that God's promise should move us to praise Him. The promise of what's happening at Christmas, the promise of a Savior should move us to praise Him. As we sang, all bow down, and as our children sang, and as we did these, we sang these congregational hymns. We see in verses 46 through 56, this is a song. Mary broke out in a song, much like some of those musicals that you would go to and they have like a minute of talking back and forth. Then all of a sudden someone says, well, I have a song. And they go in to these beautiful songs. This was a song that Mary had. And the thing is, is that in this song, this song resembles a song that Hannah sang in 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 10. And she alludes to Scripture in the Old Testament in this song 12 times. Now, you can go back later and you can read that song. It is a beautiful song, but here's the point I want to take out of that. When you praise God, are you infusing Scripture into that? Are your praises based on Scripture or your top ten list on your, on your playlist on your music app? Is it based on your favorite worship band? Is it based on your favorite genre? Is it, okay, it's Southern Gospel, then hey, that's great. Oh, it, it is, it is Christian rock, that is great. It is contemporary stuff, that is great. Oh, it's a church singing that, so it's gotta be right. No, is your praise based in Scripture? That is why we have so much problems today, because so much of music is not based in Scripture. We see that Zechariah's faith is strengthened in verses 67 through 80. 
Zechariah continued to praise God in verses, in these verses, 67 through 80. Look, again, let's go back and remember that Zechariah questioned God. God did what? He silenced him. He said, you're not going to talk until Jesus is born. You're not going to talk. And then so, well, not until Jesus is born, but until this news came out. Many people could have gotten bitter over that. Well, that's not fair, God. Here I was, a priest, and now you're making me quiet. God, this is not fair. I used to be able to do this, and I can't do it anymore. God, this is not fair because... Things have changed. God, why did you do this to me? I don't understand. I'm going to be bitter about it. No, Zechariah was praising God for what was going to happen. And we see that his actually, through that process, his faith was strengthened. My friend, when God disciplines you, it is not to put you under his thumb. It is to build up your faith. And we see that. In verses 67 through 80, Zechariah continued to praise God in these verses. And instead of being bitter with God over being punished for his doubt, he praised God for the gift that John would make the way for the Messiah. Now, that's a son to be proud of. So as we wrap up our time today, I would say we praise God because he keeps his promises. Now, next week... We're going to get into the birth. It's going to be everything you know about Christmas. And, and sometimes it's hard to track in the first two sermons getting to that point. But look at everything that led up to Christmas that started in the Garden of Eden. This has been the plan from the get-go. And God has made a promise that he is going to redeem the world. For those who would accept him. And now we go from that promise that he gave Elizabeth and Mary to now praising him for what he's going to do. And the cool thing is you already know the story of how it's going to work out because we're celebrating Christmas this season, right? So don't lose sight of the promise God made for you. And don't be so busy that you don't take time to praise him for what he has done through Christmas. Before time began, God had a plan for your redemption. How about this? He knew what you needed. Not a powerful political figure, but a baby in a manger. A baby that would grow up to become sinless. To be a sacrifice for you and I. So you and I can praise God today because he knows exactly what we need. Forgiveness of our sins. And praise Him. Praise Him for this new day. Praise Him for the ability to have a new start. A do-over. Praise Him for sending Jesus to this earth just for you. My friends, we need to praise God today because a Savior is on His way. That is why we praise the Lord this morning. So as you... Uh, as the time clock counts down, it's, it's, what, a week or so away? And I can't tell you a number of people have asked me, Preacher, are we going to have church on Christmas? Whew. There are people that are debating that. And if you're one of these people that say, well, I ain't coming to church on Christmas, God loves you and so do I. 
I know some of you. I, I know how it works. I mean, are, are, the kids are not in here, right? Some of the kids are, but we know things. And we know that Santa Claus doesn't really get started till 2 or 3 in the morning. And we know that sometimes the children wake up Santa Claus around 4 in the morning. And we know that most of the presents are open by 6 in the morning. And then it is coma time while mama fixes dinner or whatever y'all do. Look, y'all got all these different traditions. And I'm chasing a rabbit, but let me just, I will catch it right here. We're going to have church on Christmas. We're going to have one, one service at 1030 for everybody to come into. You can, you don't have to dress up. You can, you can come in your pajamas if you want. I don't care. You can come, you know, curlers in your hair. That's up to you. And some people say, well, I, you know, if you want to, some people say, well, I'll just watch online. You can watch online. And if, if you decide to show up, you are not any more spiritual than those that don't. But my friends, I cannot praise Jesus enough on his birthday. So whether you are here or whether you have a tradition at home or whether you're off with family somewhere else, Take time this Christmas to praise God for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, because our Savior is on the way. And this is news that many people in our world do not know and have not heard and do not care about. There are many people that are waiting to get the next iPhone, the next computer, the next sweater, or the next perfume or whatever, and all of these things. But anything that rust breaks or fades away is not worth putting our faith in. There is a world that needs to know that the Savior is on the way. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you this morning for the fact that you are on the way. And the dear Heavenly Father, that as we've read the Scripture, Lord, there are are people here that are are like Mary that are just saying, God... Show me what to do, and I'm your servant, and I will do it. We have a world that has lost its way, but, Lord, it's not beyond repair because of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are a God that promises and follows through. So we praise you for that. And the invitation today is just going to be this. We're not going to sing a hymn. We're not going to do one verse and then, and then just move on. Here's the invitation. God, if you are calling someone to serve you, make that be a burning within their heart. If there is someone here that does not know you today as their Savior and Lord and they want that new start, I will be here until the last person leaves. They can talk with me or someone they trust. But, Lord, we praise you, and we thank you, and we love you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Sing this with me. He alone is worthy.